0: Hey, welcome to Todd's Leadership Shed. I am Todd Salzman, and I am so glad to have the opportunity to talk leadership with you today. Some of you may know, I spent 30 years in the United States Air Force, and as you can imagine, I got to work with some really, really great leaders. And I also got to work with a few who were not so great. I also attended a lot of different leadership schools, got a couple of degrees, and read a buttload of books on the subject. More importantly, I got to actually lead some of the greatest men and women in the United States. It was during this time where I learned the most about leadership, and more importantly, how to lead in many different situations, as you probably already know, there are hundreds of different leadership theories floating around out there- theories such as situational leadership, behavioral leadership, and meta leadership, to name just a few. matter of fact, there's probably ten new theories in the works right now, and while a lot of these theories are great, and I highly recommend you spend some time studying them. What I want to focus on in this podcast is some of the simple things a lot of successful leaders rely on to make things happen. In other words, I want to remove some of the complexity out of leadership study and replace it with some simple approaches, as well as some simple tools, if you will, that I learned and used pretty successfully. So, in the coming weeks, I'm going to be presenting to you what I believe are the 10 things leaders do to successfully lead their team. So let's get started. For you listeners who have been around for a while and have been actively leading, I want you to think about what you were feeling when you were told you are getting ready to lead in a new position. You haven't been saddled with a leadership position as of yet. Don't worry, you will. But I guarantee you will be thinking the same thing. In any case, I'll take a wild guess and say most of you were saying to yourself, man, this is awesome. I finally get to lead. I have worked so hard. I have studied so hard. I am ready to lead. Does that sound about right? But my question is, were you? Obviously, others thought you were ready to lead. But let me ask you again. Were you ready to lead? I don't mean knowledge-wise or experience-wise. I mean, were you personally, physically, and psychologically ready to lead? Take a minute to think about that. I mean, does it matter? Some of you might not think it does. But in my experience, I can tell you it absolutely does. For most people who move into a leadership position, they begin to try to determine what they are going to do to make the mission happen. Some also begin to think about the changes they're going to make and how they're going to lead that change. Still, others might begin to ponder how they are going to lead through adversity or crisis. While those are all great questions and thought processes, unfortunately, one question that they fail to ask themselves once again is, am I ready to lead these people? I know what you're saying. All right. All right. We get it. Get on with it. And actually, that's all there is. It's that simple. It's just one question. You see, when people uh, take on a leadership position, invariably they begin to look at the things uh, around them very differently. They begin to change the focus from themselves to the people they lead. Now, this is an absolute truth in the exercise of leading people. However, most leaders take this step just about 10 steps too far in my opinion, and when that occurs, everything they do is laser focused on the well-being of the people uh, on their team or in their organization. And unfortunately, this laser focus oftentimes comes at the detriment of the leader's health as well as their family and ultimately their physical and sometimes physiological health. During my time in the military, uh, this thought process was a matter of course, really, the culture is basically the people come first and it's not about you anymore which is true to a point. For me, it was a mantra I and my fellow leaders uttered on a daily basis. You may have also heard, a good leader eats last. In fact, for a lot of this, this wasn't just a catchy phrase. It became a common practice as if those we led and the organizations they worked with would grow stronger based solely on this thought process or this action. We also believed that sleep was something we could simply catch up on or even bank for future use. And on the other hand, because we were on the move all the time taking care of everyone around us, our diets became crap as we tried to live on a steady stream of caffeine and nicotine. Unfortunately, while we believed our personal sacrifices were helping us to be more effective as leaders, what it was really doing was negatively impacting our physical and uh, physiological well-being and thereby impacting our decision-making process, our stamina, and our mood. Let Let me give you an example how that impacted me. I was on a deployment exercise where we uh, loaded up a bunch of airplanes with a whole bunch of people and a whole bunch of cargo and took off uh, to set up operations in a forward location. Okay, in this case, the forward location was Mississippi, but you got to work with me on this. As you can imagine, as we executed the exercise, uh, we were put through a whole host of threats and stressors to uh, assess our ability to set up an operational base in a, in a contingency or war, basically. We needed to bed down personnel. We needed to provide security for the, the, those personnel. We needed to conduct the day-to-day administration, and we need to maintain and operate aircraft uh, to support daily uh, air refueling missions. Oh, yeah. Did I mention we were also wearing chemical defense gear? In June, in Mississippi, yeah baby, it was hot. Anyway, I was a brand new chief master sergeant ready to lead, lead, and lead some more. I had all the cool buzzwords tucked away in my leadership toolbox and lived by the mantra, it's not about me anymore. I blew off sleep because a real leader is always available, and I ain't last, which means I didn't need it all. Now on the upside, the word on the street was, Chief Salzman is a powerhouse. He never sleeps. He never quits. He's everywhere. The downside, I was on a diet of coffee and junk food and dealing with the constant sugar highs and crashes that come with it. I wasn't sleeping except for maybe a power nap now and then. But Of course, that's not enough. Worse yet, I was starting to make mistakes. I was starting to forget things. And more importantly, I was starting to lose my temper. And I never did that. Well, at least not in front of people. Finally, my commander, Colonel Dave Kramer, called me into his presence and presented me with a classic butt-chewing where he pointed out the flaws in my current leadership style and, the his words, stupidity of not getting any sleep. I had, and still have, a butt-ton of uh, respect for Colonel Kramer, and when he laid into me and showed me where I was failing in uh, getting the mission done, that was just a little bit more than I could handle. Change had to come. Matter of fact, it was directed. I began to go off shift, and I began to trust my replacement. I began to understand that sleep was important. I began to eat more and better. Actually, as a side note, the nice Filipino lady who worked in the dining facility ripped me a new one for not getting enough to eat. That's right. I think her exact words were, you're being stupid. You need to eat. Here's your plate. Stop being stupid you can imagine i took my second ass chewing of the day and my plate of grub and came up with a new plan and a better plan i'm going to start eating side note to the side note every day i walked into the dining facility she reached under her counter and pulled out my plate and handed it to me nice lady great leader now what i want you to take away from this example is that everything that was going wrong with my leadership was because i lacked balance personally while it was important that I did whatever I needed to do to make sure these men and women got the resources and support they needed, uh, they make sure they were adequately fed and make sure they got as much sleep as the situation would allow, I failed to understand the importance of me doing the same. As you can see, I was taking a dangerous path without any thought about where I might end up, a path fraught with all the pitfalls associated with taking the very eye that I used to ensure my team had what they needed to succeed, and failing to focus it on what I needed to make sure I was able to succeed. It was just important. Again, it's about balance. As a leader, you must take care of your people, obviously. You must understand it's not about you when it comes to their successes, obviously, but you also must understand that you are just as important to the organization's success as they are, sometimes not obvious. Well, how do you do this? Well, by taking the pulse, if you will, of your day-to-day wellness. I can hear the groans coming through my headphones. That's right, folks. I said wellness. I know after you read the title of this podcast, you're probably thinking, cool, he's going to talk about what I need to do to operate at peak performance using all the right leadership theories and techniques. Well, I am. However, before you begin leading your team or influencing their actions or activities, you have to make sure you are ready to do that. You see, a leader's wellness is what gets him or her through the tough days, the tough decisions, the tough calls, and the swirling changes they have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Unfortunately, when people in a leadership position hear wellness, they immediately begin to think about yoga, incense, meditation, and herbal tea, and they think their superhero meter begins to slowly drift back from badass status to monk status in about four and a half seconds. Not true. And thank goodness, a thought process that is beginning to lose its luster. Now, unfortunately for me, I didn't figure this out until later in my career when I was a senior enlisted leader and dealing with quite a bit of stress, both on the job and in in my family as well. You see, I was at the top of my game, leading at a very high level and getting to do some pretty uh, great things for my airmen. I was also a new father, adopting uh, a a small uh, baby girl from China, Uh, and then later on, a small little baby boy from Korea. You can understand where all that stress was coming from, but in doing so, I began to lose focus on what was important around me when it came to my job. I began to shrug off my, my physical fitness. I adopted an it's lonely at the top attitude as if my job was so important and complex that only I was able to deal with it effectively. In doing so, I began to isolate myself from my social circles as well as my professional circles. The job was everything in my life, and I spent just about every waking moment thinking about it. I focused on past mistakes and worked hard to make sure I didn't do the same thing in the future. To do that, I spent hours trying to come up with the perfect answer to every issue, sometimes before they even came up. I was in piss-poor shape, man, let me tell you. But it wasn't until I realized what I was doing and the impact it was having on me, and more importantly, on the people I led, did I begin to focus on the fix. And the fix was a shift of my focus back on my personal wellness. Now, there are numerous different aspects of wellness out there to choose from, but I determined that focusing on four of them got me through the day. Those four aspects of wellness I focused on are the physical, the social, spiritual, and mental aspect. Over time, I realized that when I lost one or more of these aspects, I began having trouble focusing on what was important. And one of those important things was me. I finally put it into a perspective that helped me to get a feel for where I was every day by simply taking each aspect and honestly assessing how I was doing in that area. I also put it into a graphic that helped me and others to understand what was happening uh, when you're in sync with your wellness, and more importantly, when you're not. And I call this process the Adamus effect. Now, before I go any further, I need you uh, to go to my website, todsleadershipshed.com. That's one word. Click on the resources tab and download a couple of graphics. Uh, You can go ahead and push pause and go do that if you can. If you're driving, keep your hands on the wheel. Don't do it. And if not, well, you can get back and uh, do it later. Hey, welcome back. I I hope you were able to get the graphics. But like I said, if you didn't, it's all right. We'll get through it. So, on the first graphic, you'll see there's four circles that are labeled physical, social, spiritual, and mental. Each circle is arranged so it intersects with the other three circles. At the point where they all come together, you can see that a diamond is formed, which I've highlighted in red. And I call this the wellness diamond. And that's what we're shooting for uh, by trying to balance the four aspects. And this is where I came up with the term the Adamus effect. Now, Adamus is an ancient Greek word that means unconquerable or invincible, and where the word diamond is derived from. So how do I use the Adamus effect? Well, basically, it was a state of being where I was in balance and firing on all four cylinders, as it were, and able to operate at my best. Now, on the other hand, when just one of these aspects of wellness was out of whack it had a huge impact on the others. As a matter of fact, if one aspect begins to suffer, your ability to be unconquerable suffers. For instance, take a look at the second graphic. In this graphic, the circle representing the physical aspect is missing. And as you can see, uh, and as I said, if just one aspect of wellness is missing, then the wellness diamond is missing. And so is your ability to operate at peak performance. Furthermore, in this example... If I didn't do whatever it was that I needed to do to re-energize the physical aspect of wellness, then over time, I believe it would have an impact on the other three, and I'd begin to lose those aspects of wellness as well. For instance, if we stay with a present graphic where the physical aspect is missing, let's just say that you haven't been getting to the gym, uh, your sleep cycle's in the toilet when you sleep at all, or you're engaged in a steady diet of monster drinks and Cheetos, Now, at some point, the machine's going to break down, and you're going to go down with it, and so is your ability to lead effectively. Now, let's pull that thread just a little bit more. Now, what happens when you're out of whack physically? Well, you might be tired all the time. Uh, You might get sick, as people often do. You may stop going on walks or riding your bike, taking a jog or throwing some weight around in the gym. And that lack of activity might begin to creep into your social aspect of wellness as well. If you don't like to go out and do the things that uh, pump you up, then maybe you stop calling on your friends. Maybe you begin to withdraw a little bit as well. And when your social wellness begins to suffer, then you're moving farther out of balance. Now, you're physically and socially inactive. Imagine the impact that might have on your mental state. What happens when you don't have an outlet for all that crap that comes and goes in your noggin all day? It's a recipe for further disaster. You see, your physical wellness was helping with your emotional state as much as the people you surrounded yourself with do. And when you're alone, you have more time to think. And when you have more time to think, then uh, sometimes you begin to let the demons in. And more importantly, you begin to listen to them. Worstly yet, you begin to believe them. You begin to believe that your decisions are wrong, all of them. You believe your thoughts are wrong. You're wrong. And everyone else is right. Sound like a little too much to believe? Well, after a few of my own experiences, as well as some conversations with others who experienced the, the uh, exact same thing, it's not as out there as you may think. The last aspect of wellness you have left is your spiritual wellness or the relationship you have with God, the creator, the source, or whatever it is that you uh, refer to it is. When you lose your spirit or what drives you or where you gain your strength from, you begin to lose hope and possibly begin to begin to wonder, what's the point? Does that seem a little extreme? Maybe a bit unbelievable? Eh, let me present it in another way then. Let's suppose you begin to lose balance in your social wellness. You put so much effort into your work that you begin to give up your time with other people or groups where you gain perspective from. Uh, who provide you insight or perhaps hold you accountable for what you want to do or achieve. When you spend so much time away from your social interactions, it's also having a direct impact on your emotional health as well. And When you enter this state, you're spending so much time thinking about everything you have to do or think you have to do that you forget to take time to just be quiet, to be mindful, to put things in perspective to understand what the issues really are, what the problems really are versus what you think the problems are. You live in a constant state of stress, and when the body is always in the fight-or-flight mode, it has a direct impact on your body's physiology. When your body operates in this mode for the long time, then the then the body begins to break down. You become tired. You become sick. And when you're tired and sick, you become inactive. And when you're inactive, then you further reduce the body's ability to repair itself. Once again, you now have only one wellness aspect to lean on, and that is your spiritual wellness. And if that aspect is not strong or you begin to question your spirituality when approaching the bottom, it's hard to come back sometimes. Again, these examples may seem a bit extreme, but are they really? Is there anything I said that would absolutely not happen? I know for a fact they aren't because I've talked with a lot of folks who have experienced them uh, in each of these two examples. And thank God they were able to recognize it and turn themselves around. But unfortunately, there are a few examples of people out there who simply could not and continued on their downward spiral. And when that begins to happen, their ability to lead becomes secondary to their basic survival. Think about that. So how do you prepare for that? By being proactive in determining your wellness every day. That means taking a look at each of these four aspects of wellness and determining what you are doing to support them. Are you engaged in things that will impact your physical wellness? What about your social groups or your interactions with other people? Are they healthy or even exist? How is your mental or emotional health? What are your thoughts like? Where are your thoughts? Are they in the past? Are they always in the future? Do you even spend time concentrating on what is right in front of you? Finally, consider your spiritual wellness. Where do you get your strength from? What do you believe in? And more importantly, how do you use these beliefs to move you forward, to get you through the hard times, to keep you on an even keel, to keep things in perspective? These questions are just a few things you need to consider as you move through your day, and it's entirely up to you to decide on how you're going to do it. Now, these four aspects become so important in my leadership experience, that I'm going to dedicate a podcast for each of them in an effort to help you understand what each of them can do for you and to help you decide if you're doing everything you need to do to maintain balance in your life. So the next time we come together, I'll be talking about the physical wellness aspect because I think it's the foundation that we need to ensure that we are successful each and every day. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, let me know. Also, let me know if there's something you want uh, me to hit on in the future or something you need me to clarify. On the other hand, if there's something you didn't like or don't agree with, then you have to tell me as well. Hey, by the way, this sucked isn't feedback and doesn't provide the recipient an opportunity to grow. In this case, me. So, if you have a nugget that will enlarge me, then put it out there and let me understand what I need to do different or better so then we can come together and make others better. Hey, enjoy the rest of your day, and remember, when you study leadership, you begin to lead with confidence. And when you study the leaders of the past and how they succeeded, you begin to lead with confidence. And when you realize that the humans you lead need you as much as you need them, then you begin to lead with compassion. I'm Todd Salzman, in service.